Bankless Nation, it is roll-up time. This is the first week of September. Wow, starting to feel like fall, starting to feel like time to get back to school. But I haven't taken the summer off, David. I don't know about you. I'm feeling, no, no. The summer, I'm not the summer feeling has energized. only gotten more and more just like energetic crazy. And, and crazy. And like every every week that has happened, it's just like, how are we going to do the weekly roll-up? Like this is absolutely insane. Yeah. How are we going to fit this within a you know a two to three hour right. you know how do uh, I explain session? what's going on, <laughs> <laughs> guys? We will keep this as short as possible. As always, we're going to cover markets, releases, news, takes, what we're excited about, and with the meme of the week. I think we have a moment of zen for you too. Mm. Hey, before we do, we got to talk about our friends at SoRare NFTs are going mainstream. It's happening this cycle. It's happening now. SoRare is a way to collect trade and do fantasy sports with uh, soccer, your favorite soccer players. Europeans will call this football, of course. What's super cool from a tech side is this is NFTs on ZK rollups. So they got the tech figured out. It is fast and seamless. And there's utility along with these cards. So you can play with them in a fantasy sports type arena. Bankless wants you to play global fantasy football. That is the message here. For those that are into the world of fantasy sports, fantasy sports has, has now arrived on Ethereum. Uh, I was actually just last weekend playing with, uh, hanging out with my friends while they were doing their fantasy football draft. So I kind of expect that to also follow along right after this. Um, fantasy football uh, is is here uh, and it's on ZK Rollups on Ethereum. So check it out. Yeah, absolutely, guys. All right, collect and play. There will be a link in the show notes or you could go to SoRare.com. That's S-O-R-A-R re.com and check that out. David, also, we got to talk about a conference. It's coming in 2022 next year in May in Florida. It's called Permissionless. We are helping to throw the biggest DeFi conference that's ever been had. Mm -hmm. I said conference, maybe I I should say party because I think it's going to be both. Uh, And we are in the stages of planning that with our friends at Blockworks. Um, I wish I could tell you there were tickets available, but the first tranches all sold out. That said, there will be new tranches that open every two weeks. So the first opportunity to get in on that is on the 15th of September. If you are a Bankless Premium member, so you are a member of our uh, Bankless newsletter, you get the premium podcasts, all that good stuff, then you got an additional 30% off discount that's available for you. I am psyched about this conference. I wish people could could um, get into it now. But as soon as we tweeted that out yesterday, it was like Insta sold out. Uh, But there will be lots of opportunities, hopefully, in the the future. I forgot to mention this too, David. Every two weeks, the price goes up on this thing. So it's like crypto. You got to get in now or you have to FOMO in at a higher price later. What do you think is going to go higher faster, ticket prices or Ether? I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm really looking, 10x. I'm super looking forward to this. Uh, like, there's there hasn't really been a, a DeFi forward slash like metaverse forward conference yet, uh, and so we're teaming up with the people at Blockworks to help coordinate this and get this done. Uh, like you said, it's maybe a conference, but more of a party. I, I think they're in crypto; they're kind of the same. Uh, and so, I mean, this, it's not it's pretty far out. It's May of 2022. So we got plenty of time before it actually happens. Uh, but it's going to be a blast. Um, Ryan, I might actually meet you for the first person? time. Wow. Uh, we might actually host Maybe. a podcast live on stage in person. That's kind of crazy to think about. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be an absolute blast. 
yeah, check that out, guys. We'll, we'll have more info in the weeks to come. Um, all right, David, let's get to the markets, man. Bitcoin, what's Bitcoin doing? Yeah, Bitcoin started the week at $48,000, fell down to the low, low price of $46,700, and then has zoomed up to $49,970 at the time of recording. It's, it touched 50K earlier this week, but it has not been nice. able to hold its head above water. Overall, up 2.3% on the week. Nice to see us above 50K, even though it was brief. Let's talk about ETH. Wow, yeah. this looks like uh, an ascent. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Ether started the week at $3,000, which was also the low of the week. And it has zoomed all the way up to $3,840 currently at the, uh, and that was the high just at, set, I think, last night, early this morning. We're currently at $3,810, up 16% on the week. It was absolutely Ether's week this week. Uh, what day did the Raul Paul podcast come out, David? I, uh, I wonder if we could see that on the charts. <laughs> that was mm. that was exactly on the thirtieth. The thirtieth, uh, which, which is the low oh, for the week. <laughs> Correlation is not causation, but also I also wouldn't be surprised. That was a very bullish podcast Extremely, we put yeah. out with Raul Paul. And I think it's set up to be one of our most downloaded ever. Yeah. Uh, talking a lot about ether, he he talks about it as the greatest trade ever. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because we've been talking about Ether fundamentals for like three years, right? A long time. Uh, but now it's very clear to even smart macro people like uh, like Raul Paul. So there you go. Um, all right. What's, uh, what's the ratio doing, David? Yeah. This is the ETH to Bitcoin ratio. Yeah. I've got the three month open. Where, as where as you can tell, uh, the ratio has done uh, phenomenally this week. It started the week at 0 0.066. Uh, and it touched 0 0.0785 at the very top, and it's currently wow. coming in at 0 0.076. So if we go to yeah, to go to the year to date, we are almost breaking into new highs on the Ether BTC ratio. There's been some some murmurings on Twitter of what happens when Ether breaks its all time highs before Bitcoin does. Uh, that's kind of like the sentiment right now. David, uh, speaking of sentiment, I saw a Chris Berninski tweet. He said something to this effect: Bitcoin no longer has the uh, stranglehold on crypto culture mm. and in, in kind of the mainstream mind that has transitioned. Uh, and uh, I think that's true. NFTs are incredibly bullish for Ether. Now it's got this narrative EIP 1559 burn. Um, yeah, it's hard not to agree with uh, Raul Paul yeah. that this is going to be an absolutely crazy year. He called for 20K end of year. Um, like I, at, I also call for that. <laughs> okay, David also calls for that. Like on the one hand, I wouldn't be surprised, right. right? On the other hand, that's a lot of territory to move. Right. Um, but this is crypto, and we'll see how the fall goes. I feel like we've been in the crab season long enough. Mm -hmm. feels like everything's primed for breakout. Yeah, absolutely. And, and going back to the whole culture thing, I mean, it makes sense that a Turing-complete platform that has general generalizability offers more and more surface area for culture because we can just do anything with it rather than whatever Bitcoin culture is around like sound money. It's just like one instantiation of culture. On Ethereum, you can have all cultures instantiated and then made, made economically viable. So uh, there's there's communities, there's DAOs, there's NFT orgs, like there's everything on Ethereum. Uh, and like all of that is kind of coming to a head right now. Like it just captures all these narratives too, right? Like even the narrative of the metaverse that that's spinning up, we're gonna talk oh, about later. It, definitely talk it, it about has a key later. role to play. Uh, all right. Well, let's get to some more metrics. We're still in markets. Uh, Ooh, DeFi new, pulse. new high. Wow. I didn't what? notice that before. 96 no, billion locked in DeFi. That's a new all-time high. <laughs> new all-time high. Wow. Really? We didn't look at this going in. No, Congrats, not David. at all. Yeah. We're almost at 100 billion. 
100 billion almost wow 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 i can't i can't believe i i missed that can you zoom yeah, out to schedule the your time? tweet yes. uh, yeah <laughs> for tomorrow tweet, you mean <laughs> wow yeah. look, look at, at this. that that is great that's fantastic so, yeah, okay. So for people who can't see, this is basically a um, kind of a, a straight ascent up from October 2020 or so. Actually, I could go back before that from DeFi summer all the way up to here. We had, a, I guess, a dip from May mm -hmm. uh, until now, and then we're out of that dip. And mm -hmm. we are on our way to new all-time highs with total locked value in DeFi. Um, let's talk about this. DPI, oh, no. <laughs> DPI, DPI uh, to ETH ratio. So is it ETH season? Is it DeFi season? It ain't DeFi season, David. <laughs> well, not comparatively to ETH season. DeFi right. tokens had a fantastic week this week. It's just that Ether <laughs> absolutely crushed everything. Uh, and so the DPI is coming in at 0.112, which is meaningfully below my bottom call of 0.13. But I would like to say, on dollar terms, he's oh, doing God. great. He's just hanging to everything he can. There's like this tiny life raft that he's clinging to at this point. You know, David's still smiling, though. He doesn't care because he's he's got his ETH position. So, mm -hmm. you know, if mm -hmm. it goes that way, it's fine, too, for a time. But let's talk about the bed index. So this is a combination of one-third Bitcoin, one-third ETH, one-third DeFi. When crypto is doing well, how does it not also go up? And of course, that's what it did on the weekly. Where did we start? Where did we end? Yeah, we started at $143 and are currently clocking at $164 for one bed index. We maxed out the week at $169. Nice. Uh, and again, like bed index never gone down in the entire. Can you can you zoom out to the, the three months? It is up only it has never ever gone down it is absolutely incredible uh so yeah the bed index uh literally proving exactly what i say every single week the best crypto index of all time excellent way to get crypto exposure uh hey let's talk about l2 beat oh, nice. because new layer twos are launching and we are at i don't think this is quite an all-time high it's not but it's a 90-day all-time high on value inside of layer twos and I think this is all true layer twos, right? So mm -hmm. it doesn't include mm -hmm. side chains. Nope. But look at this new entrant to the mix here. See wow. that guy? Wow. Little arbitrage look at there. that. Look at plus, that. Plus Seven 200 and 2,700% percent. increase. I mean, that, that's just, I mean, it's they're it at $21 launched. million, dollars, so it's like you yep. know, relatively new. But like, we're going to see very large percentage increases on, on both Optimism and Arbitrum. Uh, over the next few weeks. And this is why we have started to get ahead of, of this narrative. But other other L2s are also doing fantastically. Look at Immutable X up 27% on the week. Uh, we got a DYDX up 11% in value locked on the week, almost breaching $300 million locked. A ZK Sync up 15% on the week. Uh, Aztec mm. plus 21% on the week. Looks uh, so L rare. L2s on here are too. up only. Yeah, so oh, yeah, look at so, so, so rare. Look at that. Good for you guys. 11 million uh, locked. Uh, That's course, not a small number. Yeah, this of course is a ZK roll up as well. Um, really cool, man. I you know I, I wonder if you can almost like bet on what's going to go up, like sort of horse race style. How to get synthetic assets on these things? Wow, well, cool. I I feel like so Arbitrum is definitely going to be in the top like three before right. long. Arbitrum. It just launched, right? Um, I also I I'm pretty bullish on zk sync. Not yet, mm -hmm. but in the future when they roll up, uh, when they uh, roll out um, an EVM compatible. ZK roll up. That's going to be really cool to see. So some great immutable X, dude. That could be a dark horse as well. Mm -hmm. uh, as as soon as they onboard some like large NFT projects, 
And, um, you know, every, everyone loves NFTs, but gas is too high on mainnet and mutable X is kind of solving that. So a lot of cool solutions being built out here. Also new to L2B.com uh, is that risk panel. So they've actually added in some like, you know, ways to measure, oh, wow. measure risks, which, awesome. is, which is pretty cool. Nice. Escape hatch. Yeah. Interesting. Very cool. Spend more time looking at that. Okay. Um, let's talk about ETH issuance, David. This is in the context of ultrasound money. This is the effect of EIP 1559. I saw Coinmetrics put out this chart uh, and um, it just, I mean, it shows you very visually. Tell me at what point EIP 1559 <laughs> gets deployed, right? It's this point where you see ETH issuance steady, it's above 4%, you know, 4.1%. EIP 1559 hits and bam, down. Annual issuance down to 3%, down another leg. Annual issuance down to like 1.5%, down to 1%. Annual issuance for Ether on uh, its proof of work chain was below Bitcoin for a period of time. And this is the thing to remember as NFT mania like continues as basically, and it, that means it's, it's block space demand mania for Ethereum. And what that means is ETH issuance goes down. So uh, no doubt in my mind that we will be in the ultrasound money territory uh, post-merge, perhaps well under it. I mean, what would we be looking at? Like, you know, negative two annual issuance, negative three annual issuance, something to that effect. Uh, but it's absolutely crazy how quickly ETH gets burnt when block space demand goes off the charts. Yeah, and this is just the symbiosis between all native economies on Ethereum and Ether, the asset. Um, I mean, this is dependent on actual economic activity, right? So, like, if the NFT mania actually like cools off, then then this would rise back back up. But it's only been heating up, and it's also just one sector of Ethereum. Uh, and so, like, regardless of like the merge, which we, we you didn't yet mention, the triple halving, which is still on the menu, like, there's just more and more generalized economic activity coming to Ethereum, consuming block space. Absolutely. Well, let's talk more about EIP fifteen five nine because now we we're a month in or so, just about a month in, and we've got some actual visuals, some some uh, metrics on this. What are we looking at here, David? Yeah, so this first graph is kind of a model for what you would expect for uh, the gas markets and EIP one five five nine. So those are those are two different things. There's the, the markets for actual block space demand, and then there's the EIP one five five nine mechanism, and there's this predicted um, overshooting based because the gas markets uh, EIP one five five nine is a lagging mechanism. It reacts to the environment around it. It reacts to the gas markets. When an, an NFT drop comes, everyone apes in. Uh, and the base fee goes up and up and up because everyone consumes all of the block space. And so base fee rises 12.5% per block if the block space is maxed out. Uh, and so EIP 1559 responds to the over, over demand, over consumption of block space by increasing. But first there's this overshoot of, uh, of uh, there, the base fee is too low and the tips come in. And that's what raises the block space. Uh, and then we actually saw the, this model. We actually saw this model actually live in real time. Uh, with uh, the, the next picture in this thread, which you can actually see it, it, it exists. So like first we have this first hump right here with this gray, uh, this gray twip, uh, tip amount. Uh, you also have the purple line, which is the moving average. So they're basically the same thing. Uh, and then that overshoots and that tells Ethereum, that tells EIP 1559, like, hey, you need to react to this. And then we see EIP 1559 take effect. The base fee goes up and then it responds by reducing the tip amount uh, and then over time, this also settles out as the NFT drop ends. 
Uh, so like the fundamental takeaway is that you are seeing EIP-1559 allow Ethereum to respond to the environment that it finds itself in. And this is what it takes to have an anti-fragile, maximally like adaptive protocol. Rather than something that's rigid and can't react, Ethereum has this EIP-1559 mechanism that reacts to the world around it and allows it to maintain stable equilibrium. Uh, and this it, is what it means to have a monetary system operated by algorithms, operated by code. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, you know buildings they they build in areas of the world that are earthquake prone, where they build you know an extra a little bit more sway built into them. So That's right. there's an earthquake, the building can can sway and yeah, doesn't immediately fall vibes. apart. Or yeah, it just vibes. <laughs> That's what's happening. <laughs> uh, Ethereum is just vibing. Well, what does this mean for the average uh, ETH user? So if mm -hmm. if an ETH user sees gas price spike. Mm -hmm. This generally means that um, just wait a little bit and they'll come down faster than sure. in a pre-EIP-1559 world. Is that the correct interpretation? Yeah, I would also add that like this Ethereum like mechanism that's reacting to the markets means that the users have to react less. As in this, this like Ethereum, this this nebulous thing that we call Ethereum is doing its own internal computation, and that means the brains of humans have to do less computation because Ethereum did the thinking for it. So this is Ethereum working for us. Technology is a bicycle for the mind. I don't look. I don't want to get too weird on this, but like, here's the other thing I think this means is there is this weird notion in Bitcoin that you know Satoshi created the perfect mechanism. And it was fully baked at the beginning. There was no possible improvement to the underlying mechanism, right? Um, it just seems empirically false. Right. Okay. This is not a huge tweak to Ethereum, but it is a slight mechanism change, and it's massively improved the system, right? So, like, uh, I think some iteration on our mechanism designs is is hugely important. This is not just uh, th this is technology in addition to money. And like technology can improve and it can change and can get better. Uh, the importance of, of being able to upgrade and uh, change things when they make sense. Let's talk about some of the, these metrics coming out of Block Native. David, what are we seeing uh, from EIP 1559? What is Block Native showing us here? Yeah, this is just the story of EIP 1559 adoption. You can see the different uh, transaction types, type one and type uh, zero, which is like, you know, EIP enabled, EIP 1559 enabled versus not enabled. There's a big jump in the middle of these these graphs right here. I can't remember what wallet provider just started implementing EIP 1559, but uh, we are now well over 50% of EIP 1559 uh, type of transactions. Uh, and uh, I mean, again, we're just going to watch this uh, approach a hundred percent over time. There we go. All right. Um, let's talk about OpenSea. They've God, they've just had a killer that, get that bar month. Absolutely killer month. Three billion trading volume in August. Three billion in August, wow. and it's just a straight line up. This just shows how quickly things can happen in crypto. Uh, in July, that looks like there was roughly like three hundred million. Yeah. So we did a ten x. Nice 10x on the month there. Uh, yeah. Congrats to OpenSea on that. And NFTs, of course, are just popping off. So that explains a huge chunk of, of why that's happening. Congrats um, to all the investors that uh, in, invested in OpenSea's raise literally like two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is just such a crypto thing to happen. Um, talk me through this tweet. This is one from our friend Richard Chen, who always digs into the analytics, the on-chain analytics behind these chains. We did an episode with him where he's talking about his approach to Dune analytics. Looks like he's got some analytics based on um, cross-chain 
cross-chain bridging. What's going on here? I, I believe maybe it was last week or the week before, but one of my takes was that uh, the whole phrase of cross-chain is going to move from layer ones to layer one cross-chains, like Bitcoin to Ethereum or Ethereum to like Tezos. And instead, cross-chain is going to start to increasingly mean cross-layer twos. Uh, and I think this is evidence of that. Uh, Richard Chen says, Hop Protocol, which is a protocol that lets you hop from layer two to layer two, and then also back to Ethereum. He says, is doing the same amount of volume as ThorChain, which is a layer one to layer one like swap protocol, liquidity protocol, doing the same amount of volume of ThorChain before ThorChain got hacked, which was another point I made is cross chains are really complicated and really dangerous, whereas layer two to layer twos all operate on the EVM, all use the same standards and are much safer. Uh, and so this is exactly proving exactly what I was talking about. Layer two to so layer two hopping is going to be 100 times easier, 100 times more safe, and is ultimately going to become whatever it means to say um, cross-chain. Cross-chain is now L2 to L2. I think we got to finish uh, the rest of this tweet too, because this is important. He, he said that about hop protocols doing the same amount of volume as ThorChain be before the hack. And then he says, no token, there's no army of shills, just a missionary team heads down, focused on building, shot across the bow to ThorChain. Uh, I don't know I don't know what ThorChain is is doing now in terms of market cap. It's like, I, I saw at one point in time, like 6 billion or so. David, you could probably look that up. But like, yeah, um, it's, it's kind of the difference between, I think, actually like building and seeing the numbers on chain and investing in that versus investing in a potential narrative. And you can make both you can make money both ways in crypto, right? From a fundamentals perspective or from a narrative perspective. And yes, these two things also blend. But when in doubt, man, always always buy fundamentals. Always invest in the on-chain data. Um, that's at least how uh, how I think we approach things at Bankless. Yeah, so what was ThorChain's market cap, David? Uh, currently coming in at $2.7 billion. $2.7 billion. Yeah. Uh, real, really interesting to see how that evolves. Of course, Connex is also doing some big things here. This is um, another hop type protocol. This is another bridge between different layer twos. And this is an Arbitrum to Polygon in 70 seconds transaction. The tweet says, you aren't excited enough. And I, I do feel like that's true. I don't think the entire crypto space realizes how good bridging is going to be between these layer twos before long. The, br the bridges are already being finished before people have even migrated onto layer twos. It's, it's <laughs> so crazy. True. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about this, David. Maybe we'll end markets with uh, spot volume up and what that means. So apparently August, if you look at centralized exchanges, the spot exchange volume broke $1 trillion. Okay. And this is the first time it's done so since May. So if you look at the numbers here, this is kind of what the chart looks like. Uh, this is the story. If we we're to sum up the entire market section, it feels very much to me like we've gotten through crab season, we're at the end of the summer, and bullish fall. That's what this is looking at. Like, like Thanksgiving is going to be one of those Thanksgivings where you might be sitting around with your family and everyone's asking you about crypto. And I don't know what they'll be asking you. They'll be asking about NFTs or Ether or like tokens or Bitcoin or what, but it feels like it's going to be one of those Thanksgivings, David. Oh, that, that's exactly right. And we'll talk about this later in the roll up. But like the cool thing about the last few months of, of Ethereum and of DeFi and of crypto is that like the things that we've created lately, while they're all kind of crazy, like we're selling like JPEGs for millions of dollars, like JPEGs are still easier to understand than like Uniswap, right? Like, and so some of these conversations are going to be easier to have. Yeah, absolutely. You could show people 
Yeah. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. absolutely. All right, guys, we're going to show them your penguins. <laughs> show them your penguins. <laughs> Why that's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> then try to explain that. We should do an article on that, David. Um, all right. We are going to be back with releases. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. Bankless is proud to be supported by Uniswap. Uniswap is a new paradigm in asset exchange infrastructure. Instead of a cumbersome order book system where trades are matched with other humans, Uniswap is an autonomous piece of software on Ethereum, which is what Ryan and I call a money robot. No human counterparties or centralized intermediaries, just autonomous code on Ethereum. Input the token you want to sell and receive the token you want to buy. Something brand new in the Uniswap ecosystem is the Uniswap Grants program is now accepting applications for grants. We have been saying this for a while and we'll say it again. DAOs have money and they are in need of labor. If you think that you have something to contribute to the Uniswap DAO, apply for a grant to Uniswap. Just look at the size of the Uniswap treasury. It's almost $3 billion. This mountain of capital is looking for labor. Do you have something of value to contribute to the Uniswap DAO? No matter how big or small your idea is, you can apply for a uni grant at unigrants.org and help steer Uniswap in the direction that you think it should go. That's exactly what we did to get Uniswap to be a sponsor for Bankless, and you can do the same for your project. Thank you, Uniswap, for sponsoring Bankless. Balancer is a powerful platform for flexible automated market makers. Typical AMMs just have two tokens inside of one liquidity pool, which can lead to fractured liquidity across the many pairs in DeFi. With Balancer, you can access the full power of multiple tokens inside of one single AMM, which unlocks an entirely new playing field of possibility. This makes Balancer an awesome building block for so many different use cases. Balancer pools can make asset indices, but instead of paying fees to portfolio managers, Balancer lets you collect the fees from traders who use your portfolio for liquidity. Additionally, Balancer smart pools can be programmed to have properties that change according to predetermined rules, such as changing the swap fee based on market conditions, or even liquidity bootstrapping pools, which can help you launch and distribute your token with day one liquidity. At Bankless, we use a liquidity bootstrapping pool to sell our BAP t-shirts to much success. Balancer V2 brings powerful new features that makes your money work even harder for you. In V2, idle tokens are capable of generating yield in DeFi without sacrificing liquidity in the pool using Balancer's asset managers. Balancer's vault architecture lets you trade between Balancer pools at a fraction of the cost versus trading on other platforms. Balancer's mission is to become the primary source of liquidity in DeFi by providing the most flexible and powerful platform for asset management and decentralized exchange. Dive into the balancer pools at app.balancer.fi. All right, guys, we are back with the releases. David, we got to start here. Another layer two has shipped. We talked about it before. Now it's actually happening. The tape is being cut. The theme park is open. Arbitrum is ready for business. What does this mean? Oh, God, it means that one of the Ethereum's most hype scaling solutions is that we can go into the theme park and go on all the rides. <laughs> Not only is the theme park open, but the rides are also open. That's what's been going on for the past like two months or so is that like all these dev teams have been uh, building their rides. The rides have been under construction. Now most of them are finished. And so now we can go play in this new theme park that's called Arbitrum. Uh, and so yeah. like the, the list of things that have been are that are already ready for you to go ride on is like pretty insane. We're going to go through some of that list, um, but D- David, I haven't had an opportunity to actually use Arbitrum, so we're recording this on Thursday, mm-hmm. just because this has been such a crazy week, but I yeah. intend to. My understanding is, if it, like one of the big, uh, of course, you know, reasons to migrate to Arbitrum is lower gas fees. So 
it's not eliminating gas fees completely, of course, because you're still ultimately securing things from mainnet. But if you look at Arbitrum versus uh, mainnet, here's one comparison. The cost to send ETH, $1 on Arbitrum. Right now, gas prices being what they are, about $11 or $12 to send Ether from one address to another. The cost to use a Uniswap, $5 on Arbitrum, where on mainnet costs about $80. Um, and this is all with like the governors on. So Arbitrum still hasn't let everything through. They're, they're throttling transaction throughput, and they are uh, deploying this in a cautious way. So I anticipate these gas fees could go down over time too. Of course, it's partially depending on what mainnet does, but not that bad, right? Like when we talked to Arbitrum, they were anticipating like 90 to 95% reduction in gas fees uh, for typical transactions. And that's kind of what we're seeing right now, which is good. Uh, I know one concern I've heard people have is, hey, there's not liquidity yet. Uh, And I'm also like, look, we're on day what? Day one. <laughs> not liquidity. We have yeah. to put our money there, like, there first. There was like $2 million in liquidity. And I think uh, I've heard some complaints. So it's like, hey, the, the theme park's great, but like we don't have the liquidity yet. You got to wait when they turn, when the water park turns on, you got to wait for the water to flow all the way down the slide before you can run on, you can slide <laughs> on it. That's what's happening. That's what's <laughs> happening. And now we're already at 40 million and we saw that on layer two scans. So by the time you guys listen to this, I don't know, it could be 60, could be yeah. 80 million it's going to take some time for the water to get down the slide uh but yeah you're it's, so it's good here, at memes, bro <laughs> i just copy you david <laughs> layer two is here it this is what we've been waiting for this is different than optimism in that everything is kind of generally available mm-hmm. out of the gate they're not deploying things in application at a time uh yeah well, what, what's your take here david Oh, uh, it's kind of going to be a wait and see type of thing. The cool thing about L- L- Layer 2 is, is we can take all of our DeFi stuff and put it on the L- L2 and then, yay, we save on gas fees. The cool thing that I think is really exciting is like, well, there's also DeFi things that couldn't happen on Layer 1 that can only happen on Layer 2s. And that's going to be like this big zero to one moment. As soon as we figure out what those things are, uh, you can't can't really ever predict them. Um, but like, that's kind of what I, what I'm really, really excited about. Uh, and just overall, there's a, a going to be a great migration to the Arbitrum layer two. I'm pretty sure is what I say in the sponsor. <laughs> well guys, uh, you know, stay tuned for Tuesday. We're going to have Arbitrum back on mm-hmm. the podcast, uh, doing a show with them to review their progress since the last time we talked to them, but maybe let's just scan a few things that have been deployed. Mm-hmm. So there's a block explorer this is by the people who made EtherScan. Uh, it's called Arbiscan. And that is up and ready. So we love EtherScan. Looks and feels like EtherScan. God, how many times a day do I use this thing? Right. And now it's deployed on Arbitrum. Um, Also, our friends at Balancer, they have expanded to Layer 2. They're on Arbitrum uh, live now. Sushi is on Arbitrum. Um, And they've got some rewards. I didn't realize this. So they're already doing yield farming on Mm -hmm. Arbitrum. Mm -hmm. Uh, Definitely something to check out. Uniswap also deployed on Arbitrum. So this is the first layer two where we've seen both of those solutions, both SushiSwap and Uniswap. So they get to battle it out in a new realm. I'm kind of excited about that, honestly. Um, look at all this. Mm. Uh, all, all of, of these them, everything. Apps. Yeah. Hey, shout out to Tracer. Uh, Curve, Dodo, DX, Aave, FutureSwap, uh, MC, Dex, MakerDAO, Perpetual Protocol, DeForce, whatever Wee Piggy is. So much, <laughs> so much is on Arbitrum. Love you, Wee Piggy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tracer, Gnosis Safe. Um, some of these are cool because 
there are actually new apps that that haven't been deployed on mainnet too um so anyway lots to go check out we're going to be releasing a guide mm. next week to arbitrum next thursday so if you've read some of our previous guides like we did a guide to polygon doing a whole comprehensive guide for arbitrum so stay tuned to the newsletter to check that out that's newsletter dot banklesshq.com if you are not signed up go do that now yeah and shout out to ben literally the best guide writer in all of DeFi. uh we got him uh great find got him on the team and now he's going to be releasing an optimism guide as well yeah we just seem to quit college and work for us uh, <laughs> just, just quit college bro <laughs> <laughs> hey work for vitalik <laughs> um yeah tell, tell, on there that's too. what you say to your parents and <laughs> work, yeah, work for vitalik <laughs> um all right man the, the other point i want to make is here, there's just a thread from anthony sasano that goes through all of the other layer two solutions that are coming to mainnet so he goes through starkware he goes through zk sync that's coming optimism that's coming arbitrum if 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 you want a collection of all of the layer twos we will include this link in the show note notes and you can go check that out because it still is layer two summer. I know we're almost out of summer. So it's like layer two summer fall edition mm -hmm. is what I think is happening uh, in the next few months. This is definitely going to pick up some more. David, should we yeah. talk about this? This yeah. is interesting. Why don't you explain what's going on with uh, Vincent Van Doe and three arrows capital All right so three arrows capital famously uh, kind of was one of the big reasons why this nft mania got so much steam so so much uh got picked up so much steam so quickly uh they, they aped into a bunch of crypto punks of fidenza some ringers uh and now they look they look like they are just doubling down on uh nfts as investments and so they have brought on whoever vincent van doe is on twitter saying excited to be working with suzu and kyle davies from three arrows capital to launch starry night capital an nft fund i love the name uh, and he says our thesis is simple we believe the best way to gain exposure to the cultural paradigm shift being ushered in by nfts is owning the top pieces from the most desired sets so that's pretty cool uh, investing in culture directly uh, and that's, I think that's just a, a fantastic, uh, you know, option to the fact that you can even invest in culture is fantastic. And, and David, you said whoever Vincent Van Doe is, and that's because he's pseudo anonymous, not because he's unknown on Twitter. He is mm. a big deal in NFT circles, as far as I understand it, like one of the top collectors in the space, able to identify these things early. So uh, this is the kind of talent acquisition for Three Arrows Capital too. They've mm. got the capital. They need the talent through which to deploy it, and they're matching those things together. Really cool to see a, an NFT-focused fund. That's what this is. And if you read my uh, Digital Culture Revolution, you might have seen this coming. <laughs> you got to hit the buy button, though, David. That's yeah. the hard part. Yeah, I, I forgot that part. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Merit Circle. This is interesting. This is a fork of optimism. So optimistic rollups, we've talked about so much. Optimism is a solution similar to Arbitrum on optimistic rollups. Uh, Merit is a, apparently forking their code, uh, tweaking it in some ways, doing sort of their own thing. I don't know all of the details, but I, I'm just kind of of the mindset, like let a thousand rollups bloom and we'll see which ones win. Very excited that this is our scalability path for DeFi and Ethereum. I don't know, David, if you have anything to add. No, I, I, there's there's not going to be a few rollups or a few L2s. There's going to be infinity numbers of them. Uh, and yes. so this is just, you know, one more. Absolutely. Um, PleaserDAO. What's PleaserDAO doing? And, um, you know, maybe give some folks some context for 
what Pleaser DAO even is. Yeah, Pleaser DAO is a DAO that got spun up in a in a just a hasty fashion to in order to purchase please, people pleasers. Famous X times Y equals K. Uh, Uniswap V3 NFT that got launched at the same time as Uniswap V3 debuted. Uh, and just a bunch of friends just put, all pooled their money so they could buy this NFT. Uh, and then the DAO kind of took that and ran with that. And so there's a bunch, a bunch of more uh, internet culture NFTs that Pleaser DAO has purchased. One of them was the original Doge, the Shibu Inu Doge meme, the actual picture from the actual owner of, of the Doge who it's actually took one, the right? photo. It's that, it's that one right there. This is the original. Mm-hmm. And so the, the artist, uh, no, artist the, the owner of the Doge, uh, who is Atsuko Sato, apparently she only uh, speaks Japanese, but the DAO is actually in contact with her. Uh, she minted the photo as an NFT and Pleaser Dow bought it, I think, for $5.5 million, 169.696969 ETH. Nice. Um, and now this is on the balance sheet. Now, what Pleaser Dow is doing is they're using Andy8052's fractional platform, which we did an AMA on, if you want to learn more about that. They are putting the Doge NFT into fractional and fractionalizing 20% of it. They'll do, they, they are trying to do more in the future, but they're starting off with 20% into uh, 69.6, uh, 69, 69.6969 billion units. <laughs> Six, oh, excuse me. 16 billion 9696969 units. There's a bunch of memes going on here. Uh, and, and so, uh, this, uh, sale is actually ending right now. Uh, and then all of a sudden the Doge ER, the, excuse me, the dog ERC 20 token is going to be a token on Ethereum and it's going to represent a fractional share of the Doge NFT. And I would just like to shill my own bags here and say that Doge, the blockchain, the Doge currency is clocking in at $38 billion and the dog token, which is the actual NFT, the actual meme itself only clocking in at roughly six to 10 million. You know, there's a discrepancy there. So, so okay, so let me get this straight. What, what's happened is there was a DAO that was created to purchase cultural artifacts called mm-hmm. Pleaser DAO. They purchased one of the biggest cultural artifacts, which is the Dogecoin dog, the picture mm-hmm. from the artist, the actual original, leg- most legitimate one. Now they are fractionalizing that thing and releasing it as an ERC-20 token that people can buy so I think it's being auctioned off, but people can also buy this token. And the the meme is this token now could compete against the original Dogecoin meme, which is Dogecoin, the blockchain plus the, the currency. That's what you're saying. Uh, I mean, they wouldn't say compete. I, I, that's, that's my interpretation. It's of mimetic this. competition. It's though, a, a little bit it? of mimetic competition, but also like uh, it, we, we did a live stream with Andy and uh, uh, Jameis from PleaserDAO and they talked about how like, well, this, this can become a community like operated organization. This can become like a, a DAO that's centered around the Doge meme now that the Doge NFT is in the hands of the people. So there actually could be collaboration between the so- Doge blockchain and the dog token holders on Ethereum. It's so weird. I, the the numbers, the value we're talking about, like if, if aliens like unearth civilization years from now after humanity destroys itself, they will have thought we worship dogs during the internet culture of, of time. Hey, maybe like maybe this, they would understand. Maybe they have their own <laughs> pet aliens would. that they worship. Maybe. I, I think the, right. the potential for this is actually pretty crazy. So like there's Badger DAO on Ethereum, which is BTC infrastructure. I think there could be like Doge dog DAO for like Doge infrastructure. And we all know that Elon Musk would absolutely join that DAO, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's getting some press too. This is a uh, pleaser DAO, Emily Yang on Bloomberg TV talking about this. So very cool. Hey, let's burn through these other releases. Uh, Block Native just mm-hmm. released a gas estimator for your browser. 
So it's a great browser extension. Mm -hmm. Now you can just click a button and see how much you should be paying. Uh, this is all EIP 1559 ready. So great way to estimate not overpay on your blocks. And that's meaningfully different from all the other gas estimators that you might already have installed because the current gas estimators, uh, they only look at like recent transaction history. Block Native goes very deep into the, the mempool. mempool, into the mm -hmm. mempool. So it has a lot more insights and a lot more clarity to give you better information. Um, let's talk about this too. We probably don't have time to cover it. Maybe it's a podcast in the future, but a new NFT derivative from the brilliant minds at uh, Paradigm what is this derivative? What's the TLDR? Right. So any NFT project that has a decent amount of liquidity, which then establishes a floor price, uh, Paradigm has established floor perpetuals, which allows you to make a perpetual contract upon the floors of an NFT project. So this is now a, a synthetic asset for any NFT project. So like synthetic penguin tokens, synthetic punks, synthetic cool cats, and synthetic, the, the, synthetic the floor whatever. floor price is, is just like the the absolute lowest price that on the open market a mm. say a punk has been listed right it's mm. the like the very right. minimum layer so what would you do with this kind of synthetic uh mm. would this be a way to speculate mm. using an ERC20 token on a given NFT market, maybe create an index out of this eventually. Yeah, exactly. It's just financializing NFTs, which is fantastically cool. Uh, right below the floor is where you find liquidity, uh, which is why these perpetuals are pointed at the floor. Um, and it's just like for people that don't care for a particular punk, but are still bullish on punks, they can buy these floor perpetuals. Sir, I wonder what a CFTC commissioner would, uh, would, uh, what their take would be on something like this, an instrument like this. Well, it's such a such a fantastic little coincidence that we actually <laughs> interviewed a former CFTC commissioner coming out on the podcast on Monday, uh, and we ask a, a question kind of like this. But I, I framed it a little bit differently. It's like, bruh, there are like ten thousand NFT projects, and there's going to be ten thousand synthetic assets. Like, what's the CFTC going to do about that? Uh, his answer was pretty interesting. Yeah, stay tuned to that for that podcast. It's Brian Quintez. He's a former CFTC commissioner. He just resigned this week. Hmm. Uh, the day before we story. recorded. The day before we recorded. So he's kind of has some more freedom license to speak. Anyway, hot episode coming up there. Uh, we missed this little raise, by the way. In all the talking about Arbitrum, they actually raised another $120 million in funding. I think their valuation is like one point something, $1.2 hmm. I want to say. So they've got a war chest to keep building what they're building. But look at this, David. Oh like God. a big raise in crypto, TechCrunch, our friends at TechCrunch, um, the, the Bloomberg of technology blogs, I don't know, yeah. but they had this crazy they had this crazy headline, Offchain Labs, uh, those are the people behind Arbitrum, raises 120 million, why? To fix Ethereum shortcomings. <laughs> That's why. Like, um, I, I, deep take, taking the perspective of somebody who's not in Ethereum, you can kind of see why. Like a seventy dollar Uniswap trade, like I guess that's a shortcoming. But again, they they aren't. It's not. It's, it's not. It's not more nuanced though, than that. I mean, like Ethereum's decentralization is not a shortcoming. It's expensive, and decentralization is expensive. Yes. Yeah. The the thing that we're building is a very slow computer that does one thing, which is it's 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 trustless. It's decentralized. Like that is the entire point. It's just shocking to me that um, popular technology blogs, even like TechCrunch, still don't understand this, still don't get this. This is why we need crypto media publications to actually, crypto natives talking about their own industry in a way that makes way more sense because TechCrunch is not getting it right. Speaking of the crypto industry though, uh, jobs, get a job. 
if Good you're job. in crypto. A goddamn job. Check out the Bankless job boards. We have a senior front-end Web3 developer at TracerDAO. You got to check that position out. There are a number of others. Uh, make sure you look at that. You can also subscribe to the Bankless Jobs newsletter and get updates. We'll include a link in the show notes. All right, David, uh, should we get on to the news? Um, do you want to talk about the chain split first? Yeah, sure. So there was right before, after we recorded on last Thursday, the, there was Friday morning, there was a chain split to Ethereum. And what that means is there was a consensus failure, consensus bug, and then we had the chain go in two different directions. Uh, this didn't really cause too much of an issue at the time because most of Ethereum all went in the same direction. Um, some parts of the Geth client, excuse me, some parts of the Geth client went in a different direction. People that hadn't updated their Geth client um, found a different chain to go off of. And basically what happened was there was a bug in Geth in the code that had, handles the static call opcode. It was found and fixed in an update and that the new update to Geth was deployed and all those up, uh, nodes that updated didn't fork, but the ones that didn't update uh, ran off with a, an unfortunate consensus failure, like I said. Uh, and uh, because of this uh, very specific smart contract uh, that was deployed, somebody actually exploited this and all the non-updated Geth clients uh, because of this weird contract thing, went off in a different direction. As soon as these clients downloaded the latest uh, Geth client, um, although they pointed back to the original Ethereum chain, and then we went on our merry way. Um, but this is why Ethereum has multiple clients, uh, and also why you need to update your notes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think it was a, a bullet that was maybe narrowly dodged, mm -hmm. um, I think. So, you know, this definitely could have been worse, but this had already been an exploit that was patched. And so only affected older Geth nodes, uh, which is why we saw it's sort of a brief chain split and then everything kind of merged back and fixed. Um, yeah, so I, I think points well taken, David. Let's talk about this uh, Coinbase Layer 2. They are doing stuff on Layer 2. This is a whole blog post about that, uh, telling the crypto community what they intend to do. They, they said, we just announced support for Polygon Network for the Coinbase wallet and the Coinbase wallet extension with plans to integrate Polygon uh, as our first scaling solution for Coinbase. But they are not starting stopping there. Their goal, they say, is to explore scaling initiatives with L2, such as Optimism, Arbitrum, and Starkware over time. That is music to my ears, David. We've been talking about the protocol sync thesis, which is those protocols that have the highest levels of decentralization, credible neutrality, the highest levels of legitimacy, as we've talked about before, those will be at the bottom, form the bottom of all other um, settlement layers on, on top of them. And so this is essentially Coinbase doing that, recognizing that, executing that. And I think this is the protocol sync thesis coming true. Pretty soon they'll have deposits to all of these layer twos. So there'll be a direct fiat bridge from a Coinbase and all of the other exchanges will, will also do this directly to layer twos. They will build products on top of these layer twos. And I think this is a very bullish for the future of bankless decentralized finance. Uh, if I remember reading this blog post correctly, I think there was also a call to action from Coinbase asking for people who want to, uh, they're looking to hire people. Uh, and so if you know about this stuff and can you think you can help Coinbase, uh, they are looking for your attention and for your help. This is huge too, David. MetaMask, our favorite browser extension wallet, just surpassed 10 million monthly active users. 10 million monthly active users. Seems like we we're just talking about the 1 million mark. I don't know, that was maybe a few months ago, maybe six months ago. Insane growth here. 
It's it's got to be NFTs too. Like what what else would it be? All, all the any if you want to buy on OpenSea, you got to use MetaMask, and you can also use Wallet Connect. But most people use MetaMask. Um, so congrats to MetaMask for being the most bankless uh, browser wallet ever, uh, allowing so many people to actually take control of their own private keys. It's such an important concept, and MetaMask has made it easy. So they deserve all the success. Yeah, absolutely. Huge growth story there. All right, let's get to some NFT stuff. We got to lead with this story. Twelve year old kid. You just made 350K, $350,000 in ETH. How? By selling NFTs. This was an article in CNBC that I saw last week. Uh, and I love this quote for him. They, they asked if he's going to sell. And he said, nope, I plan to keep all my ETH and not convert it to fiat money. I love that he said fiat money. That's so right? awesome. People at C- CNBC are like, fiat money? Do you mean like money? <laughs> uh, and he goes on to say, it might be early proof that maybe everyone doesn't need a bank, just has an ETH wallet. Uh, just has an ETH address and a wallet. I said, the next generation is bankless. Look, this is a Zoomer, 12 years old. He's making his way, making his first 350K in the crypto economy using ETH as his bank account. You think he's ever opening uh, an account at Wells Fargo? Not if he can help it. If he does, it's only to pay like stupid bills. Uh, This kid is is, is sold for life. And I think this is how the, the, the Zoomer generation Gen Z is is growing up, right? They are like eating and breathing this stuff. Some of the innovators, like a 12-year-old kid, did this from his own home, was able to generate that kind of cash. Like, I mean, he's telling all his friends, like this is propagating on CNBC. Man, it's over. Like the world is going to be bankless and starting with the next generation. This also speaks to the power of actually using these things. Like we can talk about it and you guys can listen to podcasts and, and re- read articles, but it's a meaningfully different when you actually have a, have an, an, an Ethereum wallet and make your own transactions and actually use some of these infrastructures. Like that's that when we had our podcast with Preston Pish about like Ethereum versus Bitcoin. And I asked him if he had ever used Uniswap. And he's like, no, dude, I've never made like a transaction oh, on Ethereum. Dude, I'm totally like, agree. Yep. dude, what the hell? Like th- this 12 year old kid can get it. And he's the, what, the difference between Preston Pish and this 12 year old kid that this 12-year-old kid actually went and curiosity. used Ethereum. Yeah, yeah. It's just curiosity. Just use like, this so stuff. We had a 12-year-old kid. We also have, in the Bankless program, our favorite, Bill Ford. He is mm-hmm. 77 years old. He gets it. And yeah. he's doing things with MetaMask. He's claiming tokens. He's doing DeFi, mm-hmm. right? So that's a large span. So once again, 12-year-old kid, 77-year-old person. What's Run, your Running circles around everyone who hasn't touched Ethereum. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's talk about this. Um, CryptoPunks creator Larva Labs, they just signed up with a major talent agency. This agency is called UTA. I've not heard of them, but I'm not in the talent industry space. Uh, what did they do? Some kind of a business partnership. Vance Spencer explains it a little bit, David, but what's uh, the summary here? Yeah, I, I'm also unfamiliar with this territory, but I think it's more just about allowing all the products from um, Larva Labs, CryptoPunks, uh, um, uh, MeBits, uh, Autoglyphs, to be part of, uh, you know, uh, like licensing agreements with like commercial activity, like content licensing. So like maybe yeah. we see like just, you know, kids TV shows with a CryptoPunk in it or toys? To- like CryptoPunk to- toys. toys. I-, I don't know. I don't know how this works, but I think this is kind of where- what we're diving into. I still have open questions about like what happens if somebody uses my CryptoPunk? Like, do I get like royalty fees for that? Or like, what? I, I feel like you should. I feel like I should. I bought it. I bought the damn thing. Um, I, anyways, I'd still be happy to see my CryptoPunk on like Nickelodeon or something. <laughs> That'd be awesome because you are the only owner of that mm-hmm. legitimate 
CryptoPunk. So I guess one 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 eight best CryptoPunk of all time. Even if you don't get a share of this, uh, then this also still kind of propagates the meme and benefits your your CryptoPunk at the very least. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's super interesting to see that play out. Um, Let's talk about this Board Ape Yacht Club. They just sold ninety six million of their mutant ape NFTs in an hour. And uh, so this is a massive rage raise in and of itself. We also have like major artists. This is the Chainsmokers. They just changed their profile picture on Twitter to a bored ape. Um, what's up with bored apes? Are they uh, are they the new CryptoPunks? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're the, the runner-up, that's for sure. And this whole mutant CryptoPunks, if you can uh, find a, a, some pictures of mutant CryptoPunks, that'd be great because they're really, really creative. These um, things. Yeah, the uh, bankless editor Lucas put this well. I, I really like this. Is like somebody asked, like, "Yo, what happened to uh, like the board apes?" And Lucas said, "Oh, they leveled up." So they, this kind of <laughs> feels like an evolution of the board apes. Like first they were just like or normal board apes, and now they're mutant board apes. They had like a leveling up moment, an evolving moment, uh, and so this kind of tells like the story of a particular set of like Ethereum objects. Is like they did something. They changed. Uh, the, well, the story of the, the board ape meme has evolved with mutant apes. Mutant apes, I think, are actually way cooler than the originals. Okay, but can, can I ask you a question, right? So this is me just um, getting into NFTs, right? As mm-hmm. you know, I've been on sort of like a mini quest uh, of the, over the last two weeks to just get up yeah. to speed on everything, okay? Do you remember in the early days, there was this um, uh, criticism of, of Bitcoin, particularly from people outside of the space that just said, hey, Bitcoin's not valuable because you could just fork it. Create a Bitcoin diamond, create a Bitcoin gold, you know, create a Litecoin, create a, a Dogecoin, whatever. And um, you know, it will never be valuable because it's so inflatable. You could just create these new, you know, chains and in, in perpetuity, right? And so it's just going to inflate the value away. This was an early criticism of Bitcoin. Um, what about that criticism for NFTs? Right. So like if Board Ape Yacht Club has now turned board apes and created a whole new set of, I don't know how many there are, but say 10,000 mutant apes. Does that not dilute the value of the original board apes? And what's to stop somebody else from going and creating another set of like 10,000 board apes that are, I don't know, robotic board apes or something like that? Uh, does that not start to dilute things? What, what's your take there, David? Yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack there. Actually, like for one, like the mutant apes add to the richness of the story of the original board apes. Um, I don't know if this is completely true, but if you had a board ape, that doesn't mean you actually got a mutant ape. You'd also have to buy it with everything everybody else. So there was no like original like sometimes with Bitcoin, like when Bitcoin would fork like into Bitcoin Cash. Bitcoin owners also got the Bitcoin cash, right? True. Um, but Bitcoiners also say like every time that Bitcoin forks, it's just an airdrop of free Bitcoin because you can sell that Bitcoin for the original Bitcoin and that actually instantiates value back to the original Bitcoin. Um, but there's also a difference to talk about like the uh, punks are kind of considered like the Bitcoin of NFTs, like the original, it was valueless for such a long time. It's a shelling it was, point. It's a shelling point at OG. Um, the difference between Bitcoin and CryptoPunks is that Bitcoin has a massive security expenditure budget and board and CryptoPunks or any other NFT, they don't because they're tokens on Ethereum and they don't have a consensus. They, they just, they're just items on Ethereum. Uh, and so like that also kind of changes the, 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 the conversation. Well, that would here. make me think they're, they're, they're more easily inflated then, right? Because Bitcoin at least has that moat mm. where, hey, you're never going to achieve Bitcoin's level of security if you're just kind of a, a fork or a you know, a, a, a new chain that's based on Bitcoin code 
Whereas like every NFT has equal amount of security and it's all social consensus around these things. Hmm. Yeah, but I would say it's also social consensus around what is the most valid Bitcoin chain. So it's all just social, social consensus. That and that's why we have layer zero. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, turtles all the way down, David. God damn. Uh, get, I had God to say damn. it. <laughs> Walked right into that one. Uh, well, let's talk Bitcoin stuff. What's El Salvador doing with Bitcoin? That, that seems to be the story for the last couple of months, but something mm -hmm. new happened. They just approved a $150 million trust fund to support Bitcoin's ambitions. What, what is this? This is part of the original plan when El Salvador rolled this out, correct? Right. So yeah, this $150 million trust fund is committed to buying Bitcoin from El Salvadorian citizens, citizens who want to swap Bitcoins for dollars. El Salvador, before, before this whole Bitcoin thing, its uh, national currency was the dollar. Uh, and now it's also Bitcoin. So now they have two national currencies. Um, and this trust fund allows people to swap between Bitcoins and dollars for people that want dollars. Um, so that's what this is for. It's, it's basically uh, a $150 million fund that will eventually turn into, but only purchase Bitcoin over time. What do you make of all the protests that we're seeing? So we're, we're starting to see these protests of uh, El Salvadorians who are anti-Bitcoin, like mm -hmm. no Bitcoin. They're holding up signs that, that say this in Spanish. Like, what, uh, what are they protesting and what do you make of this? Right. So this is one of the big criticisms of this whole move is that uh, Bitcoin is supposed to be freedom money. It's allowing, it allows people to opt out. But then a nation state imposed Bitcoin upon its citizens. Um, granted, it went from like having one choice of currency to a dollar to having two choices. But like it's still like now businesses are forced to accept Bitcoin. Now you can there's our like uh, legal precedent for opting out of that like forced coercion into owning uh, into accepting Bitcoin if you don't have the technology for it. But I think people are kind of just like they don't really care and they just don't want Bitcoin to be like a thing in their country and they're expressing that. Um, that's really, it's really weird to see. It's kind of a juxtaposition I've not seen. Like, so mm. you'd see protests uh, against Bitcoin or cryptocurrency for energy reasons, energy consumption reasons. But this is a protest uh, from some citizens to their government saying like, we don't want this thing as legal tender. Right? Right. Like, we don't want to use this thing as money right. and you're forcing us to. Right. And that is like new territory. I'm not sure what their the specific concerns are, but uh, that feels top down in a way that Bitcoin has has never really been. It's always been this uh, this opt-in, bottom-up movement. And I almost wonder if this is like hmm, a backlash against against kind of that approach. Uh, I don't know if it's a great look, to be honest. It's, a, yeah. it's, it's different than anything I've seen in crypto. Yeah, that's why it's important to maximize choice. Well, let's talk about this. Um, Jack Dorsey is still doing a lot with Bitcoin. Uh, looks like they Twitter is adding the ability to tip using Bitcoin on Twitter. Um, I don't know, man. This feels very <laughs> like 2017, the plot. 2018 to me. Lost the plot. Um, if you're a Bitcoiner, do you want to spend your Bitcoin? We talked about that. Like, probably not. Payments. Uh, why not? Remember, pay, why not payments. Use, payments using Bitcoin. Like, never has taken stable off. coins? Like, right. it's just, um, yeah. Any right. takes here? It's so it's such like a it's like yeah Bitcoin's innovating. We made tipping inside of Twitter. It's like God damn it, do something cool. Another Bitcoin story. like I, the the Bitcoin section in the weekly rollers are always famished, and I swear to God, we try and find Bitcoin news every single time, and it's just and this is what we get. We get tip, Twitter tipping with Bitcoin. God damn, that's all we have right now. Uh, it'll get better though. You know, Bitcoin's got a uh, story ahead, David. Not never fear. Not convinced.
Uh, okay, let's talk regulation. I, I don't know about the growth story behind Tether. So the uh, the province of Ontario has actually prohibited Tether. Look at this list of prohibited crypto assets. A list of one what? bullet point: Leather. Tether. Tether. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's interesting to me though that that like nation states. I guess this is a, this is a province in this case are starting to squeeze uh, Tether, maybe try to squeeze it out of existence. And maybe we'll see more of this uh, for, for Tether in the future. Probably not a good sign. Now, there are other more legitimate stablecoins out there like USDC that seem to be taking steps to say, hey, we're not like Tether. Like, look at the whole thing is backed by treasuries. Um, you know, we have money in ba- the bank account. We're com- super transparent. So I, I think that USDC and other stablecoins like it will probably win off of this move. Um, David, do you have any takes on this? FTX acquired a crypto derivatives exchange, Ledger X. I think Ledger X has uh, some CME blessing or some CFTC blessing, if uh, if I'm remembering correctly. Yes, they do. What, what do you make of this um, this acquisition from SBF of FTX? Uh, I don't have too much of a take. Uh, I didn't. I didn't even know what Ledger X was. Um, I don't. Kind of like a small crypto CME. Yeah. Basically, are we are U.S. citizens are going to be allowed to use it? Yeah, well, they are allowed to use it. Oh, okay, um, right cool. now it's kind of just like a mini CME futures for crypto. I believe it's my understanding of it. Um, I get. I guess my take here is like, SBF is buying everything yeah, right now. Yeah, it's not, not not Goldman Sachs though. <laughs> not Goldman Sachs. Not yeah, he's worked his way up to it. But like, um, people have heard me say this before. That doesn't make me super comfortable. Yeah. I have this fear that what we might end up doing is just replace one set of bankers with a new set of bankers, and SBF is definitely a banker. Um, it's in his a name. Banker. It's in his name. <laughs> Sam Bankman uh, Friedman. Yeah, um, and I, you know, like nothing against him. He's yeah. he's a capitalist making capitalist plays, but like I don't want to see that. Right. I want to see a more decentralized money system. So uh, we'll keep monitoring this kind of activity. Do you see this, David? Mm-hmm. Speaking of centralized exchanges, crypto dad, uh, Giancarlo, he was the former head of the chair of the CFTC. He had joined BlockFi's board of advisors and he just quit. So he just kind of quit. And we know BlockFi has been under increasing regulatory sc- scrutiny for their interest products. So it's a little bit jarring to see uh, somebody like Giancarlo um, quit their advisor board it seemed like in a sudden way do you have any takes on this yeah it definitely feels like when brian brooks quit binance just uh, like months after becoming it binance us after like becoming its um ceo uh people just don't want to be part of companies that have like significant amounts of regulatory scrutiny um uh the blockfi is going through like a securities issue the sec deemed one of their lending products to be securities and they are currently fighting that fight. Um, meanwhile, also BlockFi was going through a raise. And I don't know if the details of the fallout on that have come out, but uh, it was a big question mark as to whether or not they would actually be able to pull funding as a result of a- after the SEC came and said that their products are securities. Um, so that story is still unfolding. Yeah, and do you know if the SEC said this? I, you know, my understanding is definitely New Jersey has raised some flags about it, and maybe some other states. I don't know if the SEC has fully weighed in about it. I, um, I'm pretty sure that's true, but maybe listeners but, need to double check. Well, I do, I do know it does look like um, here in the story, lead investor Third Point LLC pulled out of their um, their recent raise. So they were partway through, they're getting some investors pulled out. There's some regulatory risk that's being raised in organizations like BlockFi. 
Um, I do think they have a legitimate product <laughs> and regulators need to give them a path towards yes. uh, legitimacy. I mean, yes. it's not a DeFi product, but um, I don't know. I mean, sure, yeah. yeah, do we live in a financial prison or what? I mean, right. BlockFi interest account, I can't, can't open one, can't understand the risks. Uh, we'll see how this turns out. All right, to wrap up this week in the news, we have to talk about this whole loot phenomenon. Ryan, have you been following this whole loot thing? I, I have loot, David. All right, so there's this whole insane, insane loot phenomenon that has gone on, and it's really, really important, I think, as a as a concept. We don't know if this this particular loot thing is going to be the thing that it, it promises to be, but people have gotten really, really excited about it, and it's taken the NFT, Twitter sphere, DeFi people by absolute storm. And so... Um, Can we explain what loot yeah. is first? Because what's so crazy is it's... It's bizarre. It's just a, a list of text, right, mm -hmm. David? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you maybe maybe if you scroll down, you can find uh, find. A, a I'm going to go to OpenSea and yeah. just like open. Uh, like, type in, type in loot. Yeah. Okay. So we all know NFTs. They are JPEGs. We're all trading JPEGs. And so these new NFTs came out. And if you look on OpenSea, it's just a black square with eight lines of text on them. And if you're familiar with like uh, Diablo 2, a lot of these items came out of Diablo 2. Short Sword, uh, Ancient Helm. Mesh belt of reflection, divine slippers of brilliance, necklace of skill, silver ring. These are all like loot items you would find in an RPG game. Uh, and so, like, what it, what the hell is this like JPEG doing with just a list of items? And it's important to differentiate what's actually going on here. When you buy these NFTs on OpenSea or anywhere, you're not buying the JPEG. The JPEG is a reflection of the properties of the token. And so there are properties inside of these tokens that have eight items inside of a loot bag. Uh, and these eight items, when you purchase the bag, you get all of the items. And so this has this has like flip-flopped what an NFT is. Like previously, an NFT would be a JPEG and it would tell you what it looks like. Now we have these loot bags, which are just a token with properties inside of them that have uh, that are associated with items. And that allows the uh, whoever wants to manifest these properties to choose how to manifest them visually, right? And so we have this great graphic um, by uh, the Twitter account Tan Davos, who says a typical NFT is a top-down approach where the creator determines what it looks like, and then the the purchasers buy it. But, you know, the NFT just looks like that. But on the loot approach, we have this like bottom-up approach where uh, the people around the NFT can build the game, they can create the avatar, they can write the lore, write the novels, and it's, and it's all bestowed upon one token. Uh, and so this is a, a complete like you know paradigm shift of what it means to have an NFT. And I mean, there's so much energy that went into this in the last week that like, God, it was exhausting trying to keep, keep up with it. It felt like DeFi summer. Um, okay, so let me make sure I'm tracking so far. Yeah. So this is kind of like if anyone's played uh, an MMORPG, right? Like a, a Diablo or a World mm -hmm. of Warcraft or something like this. This is almost as if that in, entire items list, mm -hmm. in, including all of its rarity, mm -hmm. was like exported, right? Mm -hmm. And now it is, uh, it's being exported and put on chain in these NFTs that individuals can buy. And each NFT might give you, you know, kind of like a, a certain set of items and armor and all of these things. But that's it. It's just like the bare bones export mm -hmm. of this kind of scarce rarity system and list of items. And there's how many, like 7,500 or so of these loot drops? Uh, yeah, or, yeah. I think there's, yeah, 7,500. But there's, but that's also just one component of it, right? Like there could be more. It's, it's, this is kind of like creating a community, creating a DAO in okay. the sense that like all these people are participating. It's like, hey, I think we should do this next. 
And some people, and like, not only do you, so are, can you suggest it, but you can also just go and do it and you can append on whatever you add onto these base, like primitives, right? So why are people going and doing it though? Like, so, so yeah. I have two kind of questions for you on this. Like one is why are loots so valuable right now? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, a, a few days ago, these things were like, what did they start? I mean, well, you could they mint started them for a, free. Minted them for free. Originally. Like, yeah, okay. um, uh, fair, fair launch, right? Everyone likes fair launches. When I first looked, the, mm. these things were trading at like half an ETH or something like that, or one ETH, and I was probably like later to the game, right? Mm. Um, but now these things, the you know, the, the floor rate is like ten ETH. Yeah, or loose. It was twelve. Like twelve last time I checked, right before we recorded. 30, this. 40, 50 mm. ETH. Like so, a why are they valuable? Right. And like like B what like what do you do with these things? <laughs> Why are they valuable? People are speculating that these items become like the epicenter for the future metaverse, right? They are the first NFT tokens that don't impose what they actually look like upon their surrounding environment, and they allow the metaverse to come around them. And this is what I wrote about in my article this week, which is very much a part of the story. And I think, Ryan, if you actually go to that article, we can actually look at and uh, illustrate uh, what's actually uh, kind of going on with this. And, and there's a, a, a few um, examples that we can talk about. First off, definitely read the article. Uh, it's, it's relatively long, but it's, uh, and in my opinion, a pretty um, good definition for how the metaverse is actually going to emerge. And we, if you if you scroll down, Ryan, to uh, the, the loot section is going to be like most of the way through it. Uh, right, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Right here, okay. Okay, so so here's here's what the the loot looks like on OpenSea, but there are more specialized websites like zeroxinventory.app that actually illustrate the properties of these tokens better than OpenSea does, uh, and so you can actually see the colors of the rarity of each of these tokens. If you want to scroll down, Ryan, just a little bit more. Um, and so th think about this difference. We have OpenSea that is just like gives you eight lines of text and they're all white, but we have zeroxapp which gives you the same eight lines of text, but it also illustrates the properties of the tokens to a significantly more degree. It tells you the rarity of them. Uh, and so there's actually, a, this is a different layer upon these same tokens that tell that express those tokens differently. And right now, like all of the, the difference between OpenSea and this uh, website is just that now the text is colored according to the rarity of the object. But take that into like, keep going with that logic, right? Like what happens when a website doesn't just like tell you the text of the objects, but actually manifests the objects into a character's hand. Or what happens when you put on VR goggles and the token that you have in your VR wallet actually puts a, a heavy belt of rage on your, on your character, right? Like this is where this is going. Okay, so that would be insanely valuable. But like mm -hmm. now this kind of gets to the, the second part of my like two-part question, which is mm -hmm. like, why are people actually building all of these universes and games on on top of things and like like what's the economic incentive for them to do that right so if i'm um building a massive multiplayer rpg of some sort right of course i have to create like this the scarce items engine internally but that's because i'm building a game and at the end of that game i'm going to charge like my uh, customers for that make money and that, that's how the economic engine works mm. why would somebody build on top of loot why not just like create their own right so that's a really good question and like we're just going to have to watch this unfold in order to answer that some preliminary answers are that if you own a bunch of loot tokens you kind of are incentivized to add on more rich parts of the universe on top of the loot tokens to give the tokens utility since you own the tokens you want them to have utility because that makes them more valuable so so there's that 
There's also, you can build parts of the universe that you can charge for. And so this, this is why uh, my article, I think I, I super recommend if you want to dive deeper into the subject. And I, I, the point of the article is to illustrate how the metaverse will actually arrive. And it, the metaverse will arrive by a bunch of st distinct separate components becoming interoperable with each other. And so people uh, who have, you know, all these loot bags have minted other things. And so now we also have like ability scores that give you like a character strength nine, dexterity seven, constitution 13. And then there's characters, which are actually literally illustrations of a character. Uh, Lucas of the editor, I think accidentally took out that photo. But there's also realms and there's realms, which are parts of uh, literally maps, like generative maps in the same way that art blocks are generative. Realms are also generative, and I w wasn't able to put it in my article because this came out this morning, but now there's also gold. And so there's a, now a fungible part of this like loot universe that is gold. And importantly, in order to mint gold, you had to give the creators 0 0.03 Ether. And so they actually got paid for the creating that part of the metaverse, the gold part of the metaverse. And so I think all of these are going to be stitched together. Like they're all kind of puzzle pieces, money Legos, in the same way that like DeFi has money Legos for all the applications, like the Legos of Ethereum, just of, of NFTs just creates the metaverse around the loot. And this concept is why so many people have gotten so excited about it because by not imposing a visual cosmetic layer upon these tokens, it allows the people around these things to impose their perceptions as to what these tokens are. And that like expressivity is, is, uh, allows more things to be built. It's like a writing prompt, right? Yes. Yeah. The story's mm -hmm. not written, but we've got this prompt. And I think you alluded to the economic incentive here. So like this, this is why this, this week has been so crazy for mm -hmm. anyone who's gone down this rabbit hole and purchased some loot is because it's not only purchasing loot and like speculating on on that entire market, but all of these derivatives that you generate, like the abilities and the characters and the realms that you were mentioning, even the the um, the adventure gold that you mentioned, you actually have to own um, you have to own loot in order yeah. to mint those things and participate in those other products. And also, like these things just keep spinning up on on a daily basis, maybe mm. multiple times a day, these new kind mm. of like loot derivative products, it's kind of clunky. Like in order to claim them, you have to go to Etherscan and you know, like, um, you know, you're, you're interacting you're, directly right. with the smart contract. There is no right? website. There's only There's no Etherscan. website to yeah. do this, but everyone's speculating that um, this entire loot universe is going mm. to be absolutely massive. Right. And these are the economic incentives that essentially um, like, inject energy into this entire system it's because now you have this entire loot economy and if you want to you know create a new product on top of it then you can charge a fee for that maybe like it's some fee mm -hmm. when when mm -hmm. things are minted and like it's very organic and mm -hmm. very weird very and bottom very up. decentralized right very right. bottom up mm -hmm. um but it also magical like mm -hmm. i think i think um, skeptics will look at this and be like, uh, but guys, you didn't actually do anything. <laughs> yeah. And it's so like, true. <laughs> there's no game. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. All I see is, um, you know, a list of seven words mm -hmm. and somebody's going to pay like $20,000 for that. This makes no sense. Right. But I don't know. Something about it makes, makes more sense. Right. When you put on the, the like the framing of, um, the metaverse mm -hmm. and this collective building, that, that we're doing to, uh, to bring it about.
And so people are speculating that these like loot tokens are like the crypto punks of the metaverse, right? They're the very first ones. They're the zero to one moment. And they're going kind of in the same way. There's like the fat crypto punk thesis where all NFT value gets gets pushed down to crypto punks because they're the OGs. Like the people are speculating that these loot bo- uh, bags are kind of like the same thing for the metaverse. And so that uh, energy behind that speculation can actually like manifest it into reality. Because if, if there enough value goes into these tokens, like, well, there's enough incentive to actually build the damn thing because of all the speculation that's going into them. So weird. Also so cool. I can't wait to see this experiment unfold. You know, there is an element, though, of does this feel like a, you know, a massive multiplayer game only for the rich, though? Like you have to fork over some significant cash or you have to be early. You need to be wealthy or you can be early in order to get in on this. What's your take? Yeah, so the original 7,500 loot bags, like if the community wanted to mint more, like as a, and if we collectively decided that that was a le- legitimate uh, choice, then I think that's possible. That's possible for, for the community to do. Uh, and so this that might actually be a route for funding. Say like enough contributors, dedicated contributors rise to the top and maybe some team forms around this loot ecosystem. And maybe that team needs funding. Maybe they fund themselves by minting more loot bags so that instead of just having 7,500 bags, we have enough for the whole entire planet to play in this whole RPG. Now, the cool thing about this loot thing is that like when we talk about RPGs or Diablo 2 or like my favorite RPG was Borderlands, like we're talking about just items inside of that one game. When it's on Ethereum, it's an RPG for the whole entire internet, right? And so we are increasing the scale as to what this, where and how this game can be played. So like, and ultimately RPGs are just life. Like you go through life, you, you, you acquire items, you put them on your bookshelves, you acquire new skills, you level up, and now we're doing it on Ethereum and, and that is what is creating the metaverse. So bring your item, bring your loot item into any game. Right. Basically that supports it. Right. And any game that answers to the properties of the tokens is a part of that tokens metaverse. And the loot community is economically incented to propagate loot everywhere. Mm -hmm. So we actually like the loot community actually wants to talk to you, you know, Blizzard or Epic Games or all of these like game publishers and get them to support loot. Right. Yeah. Maybe like provide grants for new games to support loot. Sure. And like the the interoperability nature of loot incentivizes it kind of in the same way that like uh, like Taco Bell uh, allowed, like gave out free Crunchwrap Supremes to Doge, like coin holders, whatever. Like, right. You've got free marketing, free engagement, free customers. Composable community. Composable yeah. communities, right? And so like games could be like, hey, like we in- included loot tokens. Like now you can play our game with loot tokens. And all the loot token holders are like, yay, we reward you with our engagement. And now we're actually going to play your game. As crazy as this sounds, like mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, I think this is why the crypt- crypto is feeling like this is a, a new unlock. Mm-hmm. It really does feel like that. It feels we like a paradigm-breaking in, moment for sure. Yep, we unlocked something new here. We're in uncharted territory, and it's going to be exciting to see where this goes. Yeah, uh, extremely speculative, extremely risky. Nothing is certain. This could just be the top of the NFT markets. Who knows? Yeah, it could be that too. We could look back and be like, we were paying what for lists? <laughs> for lists of, of tokens? What? <laughs> that was the bubble. That was We the thought signal. people were going to build it? Like, well, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, Why exactly. would you think that? <laughs> you never know, guys. Uh, that's the fun of crypto. Guys, we will be right back with the takes for the week and, of course, the meme of the week. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this show possible. 
Gemini is the world's most trusted cryptocurrency exchange. I've been a customer of Gemini since I first got into crypto in 2017, and it's been my main exchange of choice to make my crypto buys and sells. Gemini is available in all 50 states and in over 50 countries worldwide. And on Gemini, there are markets for over 30 various different crypto assets, including many of the hot DeFi tokens. And it's one of the few exchanges that has liquid die markets. Gemini just launched their Earn program, where you can earn up to 7.4% interest on 26 various crypto assets. If you're tired of paying fees in DeFi, or you don't want to worry about DeFi exploits, but you still want to earn interest on your crypto assets, Gemini Earn is the product for you. Another product I'm stoked to get my hands on is the Gemini Crypto Back Credit Card, which gives you 3% cash back on all of your purchases, but paid to you in your preferred crypto asset. When I get my Gemini credit card, I'm going to make sure that I get my cash back in ETH. So whenever I buy something, I get a little bit of ETH bonus back to me at the same time. You can open up a free account in under three minutes at gemini.com slash go bankless. And if you trade more than $100 within the first 30 days after sign up, you'll be gifted a free $15 Bitcoin bonus. Check them out at gemini.com slash go bankless. The Aave protocol is a decentralized liquidity protocol on Ethereum, which allows users to supply and borrow certain crypto assets. Aave version two has a ton of cool features that makes using the Aave protocol even more powerful. With Aave, you can leverage the full power of DeFi money Legos, yield, and composability all in one application. On Aave, there are a ton of assets that you can supply to the protocol in order to gain yield, and all of those same assets can also be borrowed from the protocol if you have supplied collateral. Here you can see me borrowing 200 USDC against my portfolio of a number of different DeFi tokens in ETH. I'll choose a variable interest rate because it's a lower rate than the stable interest rate option, but I could choose the stable interest rate option if I wanted to lock in that interest rate in permanently. V2 also features the ability for users to swap collateral without having to withdraw their assets, trade them on Uniswap, and then deposit them back into Aave. With Aave, users can do this in one seamless transaction, saving you time and gas costs. Check out the power of Aave at Aave.com. That's A-A-V-E.com. All right, guys, here are the hot takes of the week. Let's start with this one from Alex. Uh, DeFi brings the capital. NFTs bring the people. Capital, people. DeFi for capital, NFTs for people. What do you think, David? Short, sweet, to the point. Uh, these memes about how DeFi operates and how NFTs operates are getting more concise and more punchy. Uh, I like it. Uh, I, I had this take this week, David. It says, Twitter should roll out a blue check mark for NFT profile picks. Just validate them against Ethereum. Every social network will be doing this soon. It's the most obvious feature ad ever. Dude, I feel like it's the most obvious feature ad ever. No, 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 no. Bitcoin tipping. Bitcoin tipping. Bitcoin tipping. <laughs> That's why I was getting, like, meanwhile, we're doing that with Twitter. Uh -huh. I mean, if social media is asleep at the job, new social networks will uh, come up that actually use these valuable NFT items as profile pictures, as items in their universe, use their lore, and like leapfrog them. So I, th I think Twitter will be forced into doing this, but it just seems to be the most obvious uh, feature ad ever, right? It's like, uh, I know you've seen some people who are kind of plagiarizing, I guess, your CryptoPunk. Mm -hmm. um, and anyone could do that. It's true. You can right-click. But if you had a, a social network that was like enforcing the validity of that, that punk and like um, verifying that on-chain and putting kind of just a simple check mark, this is valid or not, mm -hmm. um, I mean, it just seems so obvious that you do that. And by the way, that would inject a tremendous amount of 
additional value in the NFT economy. Because if that becomes a standard and all, all social networks do that, then like the whole right click save thing becomes completely delegitimized. Like you can't right click save because you have a fake crypto punk and anywhere you propagate that on the internet in the metaverse, it's going to show up as a fake. NFTs are a social phenomenon and any like they are absolutely belong in any and all social media platforms. They are they're people flexing flexing their stuff and they do that on social media. So the the profile picture avatar movement I think has absolute staying power and uh, also to the point like crypto is rampant with like uh, scams like I see fake Ryans all the time trying to trying to DM me and get my ether from me. But if I was, if it's you, actually me, David, I'm trying to get your ether. <laughs> You're <laughs> making your own accounts. <laughs> um, but like, imagine if like all of these, uh, uh, you know, Vitalik impersonators or whoever impersonators uh, had to put an NFT as their profile picture and couldn't verify their ownership of that NFT. Like all of a sudden this becomes extremely easy to, to differentiate impersonators versus non-impersonators because NFTs are unique. Another part of my metaverse uh, article talks about how identity human identity of the human spirit can actually be captured by Ethereum addresses on Ethereum based on the NFTs that they interact with. Like every NFT is its own object. And as an Ethereum address, you have your own story. And the story that you write is of the NFT objects that you come to interact with. Yeah, you could be you could be a turtle or you could be a crypto punk in this new in this new economy. Anyways, yeah, crypto punks there, are David. way better than turtles, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what's cool too is uh, we did this article with Brantley from ENS about mm-hmm. single sign-on for Ethereum, right? And so it's like, oh, that would be cool if we had the ability to just sign on to every app using a uh, a private key, an ETH private key, right? But the question is like, oh, how how is that going to happen? Why would new platforms adopt it? Maybe it happens because NFTs are awesome, right? Like an um, your the public private key pair owns an nft and has to own an nft so that could be a way to propagate like a um public private key single sign-on ethereum everywhere because if you have that nft functionality you're, you're already doing like 90 percent of the work to integrate that yep. uh anyway super cool let's do this take diamonds versus jpegs yep. which would you rather have david yeah tasha says carrying a rock around your finger is no less absurd than buying a rock jpeg on the internet if you can't appreciate the absurdity in all human rituals, you'll be a slave to past rituals, not a creator of future ones. Such a punchy take. It almost has 10,000 likes. That's crazy awesome. So like, this is why it's important to stop being skeptical on NFTs. Like, You don't get to right-click save them. Uh, and the, 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 she hits this so hard at the end. You'll be a slave to past rituals rather than create future ones. That's so awesome. Get on board with the NFT train, people. Look, it's memes all the way down, and crypto is just exposing exposing the fact that it is, and it always has been. Um, I love that take. Uh, let's let's see this, uh, David. So Vitalik did this experiment on Twitter. So he follows two hundred sixty eight people, and there's a Twitter Twitter setting where uh, you can only rep- you, you can set your replies to only the people that follow you, basically. And so he did base an impromptu ask me anything on Twitter. A lot of interesting questions uh, and answers arose. But this is one of my favorites, David. Um, someone asked him his biggest regrets in his Ethereum journey and had to be non-technical. Uh, Vitalik said, the whole eight co-founders thing and choosing them so quickly and non-discriminately was his biggest regret. Uh, super interesting yeah. insight there. Um, this is definitely like a hindsight 2020 thing, right? Like when you don't know how big Ethereum is about to become, you're trying to just get this out the door, you, you choose to help you do that. 
Um, and then you accidentally choose people like Gavin Wood and uh, co-founder of Cardano, Charles, Charles. Hoskin, Charles Hoskinson. Yeah, it's like mm, mm. of all the co- of the Ethereum co-founders, Vitalik is the only one that's left. That Except a- Joe Lubin is kind of on the periphery-ish. Oh, oh yeah, you know, he, was he a co-founder? Yeah, was he one of the eight? Oh, okay. Yeah, he's one of the eight. Okay, Joe Lubin definitely counts. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, there's still there's still too many of them forked off and did their own thing. Many of them, like many of them, forked off, did their own thing. Um, you know, didn't really help Ethereum that much. Others just totally dropped out. Like, right. just didn't really develop the idea beyond the initial months. Um, you've read the Infinite Machine by mm-hmm. by Cami Russo, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It goes through that entire story, right. and uh, and you could see it. Um, yeah. The thing that Vitalik said was good, though. <laughs> three favorite podcasts, Bankless, number one, the top one he listed. Number one, but I'm sure he put it in order. Wow, I'm <laughs> sure he put it in order. Two other podcasts. One is called Rationally Speaking, which I've not listened to, and the his his third favorite, Hardcore History, which I absolutely love. So, man, huge honors there, David. I'm like, I saw that tweet come out last night, and I was just like, oh my god, um, you know, this feels good. Yeah. I, <laughs> I I was able to ask uh, Vitalik my question because Vitalik follows me, and my question is, how do you define the metaverse? And he gave in a single tweet, the same definition that I gave in my like 20,000 word article, which is even more reason why you need to go read the, the Metaverse article that I put out on Bankless not too long ago. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he also did this, David. I guess Elon Musk asked him a question. What is love? Is <laughs> I don't even here. know how to pronounce this, but then Vitalik responds with uh, Elon Musk's uh, kid's name that he has with Grimes, which is like X A E A twelve. Don't hurt me. It was what Vitalik said. So Elon Musk says, "What is love?" And then Vitalik responds, "Child's name. Don't hurt me." So like you know, doing a little bit of a meme, which is yeah. This is going to become important very soon. So I was not in pl- pop culture. I was not plugged in enough to know that Elon actually named his his right. kid this like a uh, series of symbols. I didn't even know what this means. Do you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. The A twelve is the SR seventy twenty uh, SR seventy one plane. The the uh, version that came before the SR-71 was called the A-12. Uh, and so they named it after one part after a plane X. And the, each one of these things has reasons behind them. They're all stupid. Don't name your kid this. Like, you're not, well, you're how not do you cool, Elon. How do you pronounce this? Uh, it, it does have a, a, an, a correct pronunciation. I don't know what it is. Well, it's, it's been done. So, you know, the child's there. Yeah. Maybe he'll go by A-12. Who knows? Mm. Um, David, give me this last, take us home with this last take. Yeah, I, I tweeted this out right before we did this roll up. I said, can we please just pause all Ethereum blocks this weekend? We can resume after Labor Day. I need a break. Brian, this week has been absolutely exhausting. <laughs> not, not only have we done like 17 shows this week, uh, but we also had this fucking loot phenomenon, which takes forever to keep up with and moves. It's, it's almost a full-time job just to keep up with that. And like, God damn, dude, like I also, we also have three shows today and three shows tomorrow. Uh, I mean, did you, did you call this Ethereum brain? I call this uh, Ethereum brain and one of the shows Eric has a great take, like right under me. He goes, have you ever seen the 1950s horror film blob? Uh, it's basically Ethereum. It traps us and we can't get out. Apparently there's a movie about like a blob that just like sucks everything in. This is this is what Ethereum does. It sucks you mm-hmm. in and it doesn't let you leave. Mental energy, time, capital, every single asset. Like, I can't be mad because right. this is so amazing and exciting right. in the future, but it's hard to do Holy anything else it is in the real world. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, if you're feeling that uh, Ethereum brain, that fatigue, what's the best advice you have, David? 
Uh, I mean, this is what, okay, so this is why everyone should also listen to the Layer Zero podcast uh, that I did with Eric that came out this week. Uh, we talked about strategies and he talked about like, it's just like quitting cigarettes or like quitting drugs or like quitting alcohol or, or quitting whatever you're like you're addicted to. It's a skill. You have to learn how to like take a step back and like do something else. Because if you don't, like Ethereum will suck up all of your time. It will give you, it will suck up as much time and energy as you give it. It totally will. So if you feel it yourself going down that that um, that track and have some Ethereum brain, like encourage you to take some time mm-hmm. away from screens. Just take some time over the weekend, maybe this Labor Day, relax, enjoy some time with your family. Don't worry, Bankless is holding it down. We <laughs> yeah. will be releasing. We will take that ups. energy off of your shoulders and put it on ours. <laughs> I mean, some people like look, man. How many podcasts do we do every week? Right, like uh, like five, five a week plus yeah. the newsletter plus everything. Uh-huh. Right, there's a lot. Um, some people, you know, just listen to the weekly roll-ups and that's right. kind of enough for them for some weeks, right? And then they go back and listen to other episodes later, right? So anyway, um, be careful. The space can uh, do a number on you. It, crypto addiction is a real addiction right. and uh, it, it can exhaust you. It can, yeah. um, you know, you can miss out on things in the real world. Right, yeah. Ethereum is redefining humanity and it will also take your humanity from you if you let it. I'm, I feel like we're speaking to ourselves. Yeah, right we, we got. We, damn it, we need a, We need some goddamn therapy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, wait for a new NFT. With, uh, yeah. Somebody drop an NFT so I can get distracted. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's get to this. What are you excited about this week, David? Uh, God, uh, I'm I'm just excited, man. Like I don't have a single <laughs> specific thing, but like no. there's so many things to be excited about. It really feels like the stars are aligning for Ethereum. Like there are so many things that are happening on Ethereum that are making it more and more useful for the outside world, also making more and more sense for the outside world, even though like million dollar rocks are kind of crazy, like at least you can talk about them. Um, EIP 1559 is outperforming everyone's dreams. We get all these numbers and things to look at, so that's crazy. Uh, there's also this NFT mania going on, which is really letting time fly. And as all of a sudden, like proof of stake is just going to be here, so that's really exciting. There's just so much to be bullish about. And like you talked about it in the market section, like we're kind of getting out of this like crab season and starting to get bullish again. Like it's super, it's the super cycle, man. Super cycle is back on the menu. Uh, it's just going to be like uh, so Wait, much crazy. super cycle and then crash. You think? No, we're going up, 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 up only, up only. I mean, we'll, I mean, we'll, the we'll have a bunch of like cycle. little little crashes, but they won't be yeah. as much as they are up. Yeah, no. we're never going to see a negative ninety five percent. No, never, never, like never, ever. Uh, not 80%? financial advice. Uh, I mean, fifty fifty percent fifty percent crashes over and over and 50, over again, 60. along with like three hundred percent run ups. There you go, super cycle. Anyways, yeah. that's what that's what I'm excited about. I'm excited about being excited. that's good man what are you excited about ryan i think i'm excited about the metaverse this week right so like um did you read an article a few i read that article (laughs) is absolutely fantastic um we asked raul paul what his definition of the metaverse is and he said digital fluidity which is super interesting but like we've had the internet for a while and people have um do you remember that game like second life yeah i don't know when that came out but yeah I'm just like, oh, this is how humans are going to like spend their time and we're all going to be in this virtual world. And you know what I think the thing that's been missing from all these experiments in the past is it's Ethereum, right? There's never been um, an organic economy on top of these systems. There's never been a property rights system. There's never been like a a center of commerce. It's always been built more like the metaverse and virtual uh, reality experiments have always been built more like university campuses 
rather than like cities, you know, like a city is like organic and, you know, it's like there's different sectors and different groups and it's very chaotic. It's very bizarre rather than cathedral, right? Um, the metaverse hasn't risen up because it's, it's basically been all, you know, cathedral, cathedral based. And I think the Ethereum piece is going to accelerate the movement to the, the metaverse. And, you know, some people might not like that, you know, like some people like, like the physical world, but I, I just feel like it's inevitable, right? So it's kind of like, you may not like that JPEGs are so valuable, but like by resisting that movement, you're just going to disconnect yourself from the, the wider movement that is, that is humanity. And I don't know, you're going to FOMO in later. I don't know, you're going to realize it on the back end of this. I want to be pressing into the frontier of the metaverse. Um, and that's the thing. The experiments are going to get weirder. There's going to be massive opportunities for everyone who discovers this early. So I guess what I'm excited about is the metaverse and the invitation, the opportunity is like, plug in now. We are so, so early. This whole loot phenomenon is just like another unlock and we'll see where that goes, but it is so early to be here. But make sure you're here. Make sure you're plugging in. Yeah, just think about how valuable the metaverse is and how fortunate and lucky we are to be at the beginning of it. I think people are all have the conviction that the meta, whatever the metaverse is, it's coming. And I think, it, I think there's a very valid case that it is being built because of the property management system of Ethereum actually instantiating objects into the metaverse, whatever the metaverse is. And you are watching that in real time and you get to tap into the value that is created. And so like, that's why there's so much like energy and excitement on this loot phenomenon. And that is just the beginning, right? Like there's going to be so many more loot things that come out. Uh, and if you are paying attention and if you are on 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 the ride, like you will be able to take advantage of the creation of the metaverse. You are watching the metaverse being born. Make sure you have stories to tell your kids about how you were there. But also take breaks. Also take breaks. <laughs> Sometimes. Also take breaks. <laughs> Not too much. All right, David, meme of the week time. Hey, this art piece is phenomenal. Explain this art piece and then we'll get to mm -hmm. the meme. Yeah, so th this is a famous Renaissance painting out of the Romantic era, uh, and it's, uh, I can't remember, it's like uh, journeyman standing on frog over sea storm. Just a very, just like romantic image of this guy, like looking over this vast, like foggy sea ocean. Uh, again, like it's a, it's a, uh, a meme of the Romantic era of the Renaissance paintings. And now we have this. <laughs> <laughs> And so this is the, the same image overlaid, but instead of uh, the guy standing on the sea rocks, he's standing on an ether rock, which is going for like $400 million. And then there's just a sea of JPEGs in front of them. And also this guy is now an alien crypto punk with a beanie. Um, <laughs> this is so, the new frontier. This right? is the new this frontier. Is, yeah, absolutely. Uh, great meme. Um, guys, thank you so much for hanging with us. Of course, none of this has been financial advice. ETH is risky. So is DeFi. So is Bitcoin. So is everything in the space. But we are entering the metaverse. This is the frontier. And we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot. And we'll if you're close. on the YouTube, get ready for our moment of Zen. What is love? Oh, baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more.
Hey, we hope you enjoyed the video. If you did, head over to Bankless HQ right now to develop your crypto investing skills and learn how to free yourself from banks and gain your financial independence. We recommend joining our daily newsletter, podcast, and community as a Bankless Premium subscriber to get the most out of your Bankless experience. You'll get access to our market analysis, our alpha leaks, and exclusive content, and even the Bankless token for airdrops, raffles, and unlocks. If you're interested in crypto, the Bankless community is where you want to be. Click the link in the description to become a Bankless Premium subscriber today. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel for in-depth interviews with industry leaders, Ask Me Anythings, and weekly roll-ups where we summarize the week in crypto and other fantastic content. Thanks everyone for watching and being on the journey as we build out the Bankless Nation.